So our series is called Satisfaction. We are playing on that word fact, right? So we've taken um, different facts that we know are true. And because they're true, we can rest in Christ. Uh, just a real quick review, okay? Um, first week, we introduced the hammock. Enos are awesome, right? And so this hammock, we're giving it away today. Um, as soon as we get done with the service, if you've not today filled out your name on a sheet of paper and dropped it in there, you'll need to go quickly and do that. And then we're going to draw names and we're going give, to give one of those Enos away. Um, we talked the first week about how that hammock is a pretty good picture of what Jesus did on the cross, right? So um, we rest in what Jesus did. We rest in his work. I don't know if you're a hammock person or not, but the only way that you can really rest in a hammock is if you can trust the hammock to hold you up. I learned this because we used to have one of those rope hammocks. You know what I'm talking about? Like they're, they're, they look awesome, but they look good even after being in the weather. They're brittle and you don't know that. And I found it out because I was like, this will be great. And I jumped in and landed land on the ground. It was, it was awesome. Um, so we can trust the work of Christ, all right? And Eno hammock's probably a little bit more reliable than a rope hammock. We can trust that work. We learned that in the first week. I taught you a, um, a word, tedeleste. I don't know if you remember that or not, but do you remember what it means? It means it is finished, right? So we learned that the, the work of Christ is finished, and because of that, we can rest in his work, just like you would rest in a hammock. Week two, maybe one of my favorites of the whole series, um, we talked about how small we are in comparison to God, how small we are in comparison to the universe that he created. That was the week where we talked about the one with like tons of zeros behind it and all the stars in the sky, and he knows all of them by name. And yet, as small as we are, we're still seen by God and we're still safe with God because we're worth finding and we're worth fighting for. I love that. Um, I do want to make sure you know this. We talk about being safe with God, but it doesn't mean that we don't face hard times. Um, we talked about that earlier today. I'm sure some of you already, you've seen hard times this past week. Um, we live in a world where we're going to face difficult situations and uh, we can't, hey, hey, you said that wouldn't happen, God. No, he said we'd have trouble in this world, but he's got us, right? Um, we talked that week about how we sing that song, he's got the whole world in his hand. But he has everything. Remember that verse in Isaiah that said, God palms the universe. Everything, the things we see and can't see, he holds in his hand. He's got us. Last week, I, um, I did the, the preacher thing and I reached, I hugged you virtually. I hugged you and I reached my hand into your back pocket and pulled out your wallet. Remember that? That was fun, wasn't it? You're like, that felt awkward, right? It kind of feels awkward, doesn't it? We talked last week about resources. That are, the fact is that we are provided for. God's going to take care of us. He has, a, he has a limitless supply of resources, even when we don't. And he's going to give us what we need. And so we can rest in that. And we know that if, if he's going to take care of us, then we can be generous, right? It frees us up to open our hands and just let the resources we have just kind of flow through us to the people around us that need us. Obviously, it's more than just money, but that's the first thing that we always think of. So we looked at the story of Abraham and Isaac. It's a weird story in the Bible about a father who was told by God to kill his son. Um, I mentioned last week, depending on the age of your kids, you might feel like you're supposed to kill your kids, but I don't think God's told you to, right? But in this instance, God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son, and sacrifice him, which that's just church speak for, kill him, right? So we talked about how Abraham took his son, was willing to sacrifice him, and walks up a mountain, three-day journey, and when he gets to the top, he found a ram, 
and God provided what he needed. So what we learned is that we won't see God's provision for us if we don't make a decision for God. When we trust him, we open our hands, he'll do for us what he did for Abraham. And all that brings us to today. So this is the last fact. I mean, there's more facts than this in the Bible, but this is the last fact that we're going to talk about. And the fact is that we are raised. Um, kind of a weird concept. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, but just to make sure you get the idea of what, what we are raised um, means, I want to introduce you to a 21-year-old Russian. His name is Ivan. I got that right. And his last name is like Kuznetsov. You may have seen this. Um, if you're an Instagram user, I think his Instagram tag is um, at Birkus, B-E-E-R-K-U-S. And he has this really interesting hobby that he calls roof roof topping and I've brought some pictures just to let you see we'll just kind of go through these slowly so you can really let these sink in what he does is without any harnesses and without any safety gear he climbs to the top of skyscrapers and then takes selfies sometimes he has friends that take the pictures for him um, and I was, I was researching, I was getting all these pictures. This is a guy being raised to new heights. Would you agree? Um, that's him sitting on the edge of a really, really tall building. Um, I am a little jacked up by heights. I get a little bit afraid. So if you're afraid of heights, then right now you're feeling it right in the pit of your stomach. As I was looking at the computer screen preparing for this, I was like, is this dude really that high? And how did he Photoshop this? These are legit pictures of him on top of skyscrapers like in China, uh, in Tokyo, in Russia. This is, those pipes are frozen. I don't know how many of you walk out of your steps and fall and bust yourself, but he's on top of frozen pipes that high in the air um, taking, taking pictures. I think we might have, that might be the last one. He loves to take pictures of his feet hanging over. Um, 21 years old and already flirting with death. Bless him, Jesus, right? Um, <laughs> So I don't know if you're afraid of heights, but I do know this, he's not, right? He's not. And so this morning, we're going to talk about this fact that we are raised. Um, I want to show you in Colossians 3, four things that we're raised to, okay? We are raised, if we're raised with Christ, then these are four things that we're raised to. The first one's in, in um, the first two verses. It says this, since then you've been raised with Christ. That's the fact. You are raised. Since you've been raised with Christ, Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So let's say it like this. We've been raised to a new level. Is that fair? We've been raised to a new level. Um, some of us like that and some of us don't. Um, I am scared of a lot of things, um, but I'm really scared of heights. It just heights are not my thing. And so um, 1984... World's Fair was in Knoxville, Tennessee. My dad grew up there, so it was a good chance for us to go to the World's Fair. And every World's Fair has like, they have a unique display, exhibit, whatever. Theirs was the Sun Sphere. That was like this awesome thing that was high and it was indoors. You could see stuff. But then they always try to break a, a world record. So their thing in 1984 was we're going we're gonna to create the, lar the world's largest Ferris wheel. I don't know if you've ever been to Knoxville, Tennessee, if you've ever been to a football game there, but um, their stadium is Neyland Stadium. It's the second largest off-campus um, football stadium in America. It holds about 110,000, something like that. Garrett, you would know exactly probably, but it's, it's what? Like, yeah, 102,000. Like I said, 110,000. So thanks so much, Garrett, for, for showing me up. 102,000, but I think it's the second largest off-campus um, stadium. It's so big. Uh, it's all the way around, tons of people there, but... The Ferris wheel was so tall that at the highest point of the Ferris wheel, you could, it was built right next to Neyland Stadium. You could look down into Neyland Stadium and see the football field. 
So this Ferris wheel is up there, right? And my family thought it'd be great if we, if we rode the Ferris wheel together. Now, in high school, um, I wrestled with anxiety a lot. I don't know if any of you struggle with anxiety attacks or panic attacks. I'm probably living proof that God can heal you from that. Because in high school, I, I struggled with anxiety bad. Um, it's amazing that I'm even a preacher in any kind of profession where I would speak in public. When I would get up in high school and do book reports, I would sweat so bad. I mean, I, I know people are scared of death and then public speaking. So everybody's a little bit afraid of public speaking, but most people can get up and, and kind of wing it, right? They can at least, they look like they've got confidence, even if behind the podium they're, they're like this, you know, but like I couldn't hide it, right? So like I can remember distinctly giving book reports and I would feel I would feel my forehead just get really hot. And then I could, I could sense the water forming, this perspiration, and I could feel it coming down. And, like, I don't know what's going through. In my mind, I'm thinking, like, do they see it? Do they see it? Do they see it? And then I can remember feeling, like, a bead of sweat just start here and just come down like a ski slope, just come down my nose, and it, and it would just hang right there. <laughs> while you're doing the book report, like, while you're making the presentation, it's just hanging there, and you're like, what do I do? Yeah. What, what, what do you do? I'm like, I know it's like I would get done. I would sit back down. It would be like some people have sweat rings. I would have like a dry spot, right? It's like just the whole shirt. Just I would look like I'd been in a shower. Just really struggle with anxiety. Really struggle with fear. Um, God's bigger than all that. That's a good thing, right? So I'm at the I'm at the, on this Ferris wheel. We're riding it at the World's Fair, and of course, if you ride a Ferris wheel, at some point, you are at the top, right? Because they have to stop it to let the people on the bottom, the little ants down there, get off, and more ants get on. And so we're up at the top, and it's me. I know my mom's there. You might have been, I mean, there's like five or six of us there. It's a pretty big car. And all I remember is that. And I'm like, I just start talking a mile a minute. Like, this is really fast. It's like, there's a plane. There's a bird. Like, there, there's, there's the football stadium. Like, I can see people. There's, there's, there's the, there, that's where Tennessee plays. And I'm just talking. And my mom's like, Paul, dude, chill. Relax. Like, I'm relaxed. I am relaxed. This is great. I love this. This is fantastic. Can we do it again? And I just, just panic, sheer panic from being at heights. And listen, here's the deal. Some people, like me, are a little bit afraid of heights physically. But what's bad is some people are afraid of heights spiritually. So we say things like, hey, God's raising us to a new level. And some people, even some people sitting here this morning, you're kind of like, I'm good where I am. I'd like to not go to another level if it's at all possible. I'll just hang out right here. We see a story of this in, in Scripture. Just jot this down, Luke chapter 9. 57 through 59, there's a man who does, he did for Jesus what we always do. He got so excited about what Jesus was doing, he said this, I will do anything, I'll go anywhere with you. Have you ever said that to Jesus? I'll be your witness, send me to Africa, I'll do anything. And so Jesus hears him say that and he's like, sweet, let's go. He says, as a matter of fact, you can come with me. We don't have good lodging. The way Jesus says it was, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What he meant to say was, we'll be staying at Motel 6, right? That's what Jesus was saying. We're not going to have the best lodging, not four or five-star five hotels, but come on, man, let's go. And as soon as Jesus called him out, the man said, well, well hold on, Jesus, but first. But first, let me go bury my father. And Jesus says something where he's like, hey, let the dead bury their dead. And you come follow me. And it sounds like Jesus doesn't care about the man's father. But back in that day, that was just, his dad was still alive. 
That was just common lingo for, hey, let me go first bury my father. What it meant was, let me go back to my family, hang out, serve them, be with them, wait till my dad dies, and then I'll come follow you. And Jesus is like, wait a second, I thought you would go with me anywhere. We're so bad, aren't we, about that? We say, I'll do anything for you, God. I'll give anything. I'll say anything. And then Jesus says, okay, let's do it. And we're like, whoa, I'm a little afraid of heights. I'll just stay here. He's called us to a new level. He's called us to a new level. And there are two ways that we do that in, in this passage in Colossians. One, he says, set your hearts on things above. And what, what are your passions? What are you passionate about? And are your passions down here or are your passions up at another level? The Bible says that where our hearts are, that's where our treasure will be. We talked about that last week. I know it's weird to think about this, but if we still had checkbooks, which we don't, but you could see somebody's heart by just looking at their checkbook. What do you give your treasure to? And what Jesus is saying here, Paul's saying, look, give your heart, put your heart on things above, and that's where your treasure will be. Then he says, set your mind. Set your minds on things above. Uh, I love Philippians 4, right? It says this. It says, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, think on these things, right? Like, that's a really good test for where our minds are. Like, when somebody pulls out of you in traffic, what are we thinking, right? Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, we're thinking, you know what would be lovely? Knocking them off the road right now. <laughs> that would be awesome. Change the way that we think. What happens when we race to a new level? When we, when we think differently, when our passions are different, what happens is it changes the way that we live. Um, we're raised to a new level, which means we're also raised to a new life. Let me ask you this question. Um, please, if you're sitting next to the person that this applies to, don't point to them. But do you know people who are all talk and no action? Yes, it's my spouse. All talk, no action. When I say all talk, no action, my guess is politicians come to mind. And I don't mean that disrespectful to politicians because there are some politicians that are not just talk. But have you noticed you watch a debate on TV, you hear a politician give a speech, and don't you just kind of find yourself going, yeah, yeah. I mean, Obama gets elected on, we're going to change. I'm running on a platform of change. And you're kind of like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's fun to do, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you want for supper? Yeah. <laughs> What's crazy is when we say that we live at a new level, God's raised us to a new level, and it should change and give us a new life. When we talk about that level, we talk about being raised with Christ, and we don't live a life that matches it. You know what the world does to the church? We say things and the world goes, yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. That's how the world, re that's how they see us. Because we talk the talk and don't walk the walk. Here's, here's what a new life looks like. When, when we are raised to a new level, we start to live a life that matches it. Paul outlines here what that life looks like. Just a couple verses. You can jot them down. We're in Colossians chapter 3 again. Um, verse 3, he says this. He says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Let me just make sure we, we get what that means. What I love about having this hammock up here, and I hate we won't have it anymore after today, but every Sunday that we've had this here at the end of church, both services, some kid every Sunday runs up to the hammock, jumps in the hammock, and it's an eno, so they pull it all the way over them and hide inside it. And then they're like, you can't find me. And I'm like, dude, I can hear you, right? <laughs> like, what? They're, they're hidden in the hammock. 
And Paul says, like, when we are raised to a new level, because we're raised, we start to live a life that's at that new level. It's a life that's hidden in Christ. It's not us trying to be better. It's us saying we are not better. We need what Jesus has done for us. We are relying on him totally. We're hiding ourselves in Christ. It says that when we have that new life, it gives us power to stop the things that used to rule us. Listen, I'm going to read these um, from verse 5 to verse 9, and there's going to be words in here, and you're going to be like, oh, that applies to me, but it's in the Bible. Here we go. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So he's talking about we have a new life at a new level, so here are things that we don't need to do anymore, okay? He says sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And I love verse 7. You used to walk in these ways. In the life you once lived, that, that's a lower level life. You see what he's saying? You used to be like that because you were down here, but now you're raised. New level, new life. He says, you used to be like that, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. We have a new life, and, and it's kind of paradoxical, okay? But, and paradox is a really big word that means this. I'm going to make a statement, and you're going to go, that can't be true, right? They can't both be true, but they are. According to this passage, the new life that we have happens at once, and it happens over time. Verse 8 says what? But now, because these, these Colossians are reading this passage. They're reading this letter from Paul, and they're like, well, okay, so we have a new life and a new level, but when does that start happening? And Paul's like, dude, it happens right now. But now you must rid yourself of all these things. You've got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice. Like, I'm going to stop doing I'm taking that stuff off. He says, you make that choice now, and then what happens in verse 10? You put on the new self, which is being renewed. It's being renewed, ongoing. That's how we live. It's a choice now, and it impacts everything we do beyond that. It happens at once. It happens over time. And then it's a life surrounded by family. And I'm going to say, according to verse 11, kind of a weird family. Listen to what it says. It says, and, and ha here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And we read that and go, so there's no Greek or Jew, so like everybody looks the same. No, no, what he's saying is when you're raised to a new life, you're raised to a life that is surrounded by people who are all the people he just mentioned, but in God's eyes, we're all the same. I mean, look around the room. Y'all are weird. We all look different. But yet we're called to a new life that is surrounded by people that look different. And yet all are looking like Jesus. And I love that. I've got a video to show that and then I'll come back up. So we're raised to a, a, new, a new level. Ugh, pumpkin pie in the trash. And a new life. And then um, here's the third one. We're raised to a new lineage. That's a big word that means family. We're raised to a new lineage. We talk about this all the time, probably to the point of making you sick of hearing it. But when you're raised to a new level in Christ and a new life in Christ, you're not given permission to then move to the woods and live with Jesus as a hermit. That's not in the Bible. 
We, we, some people love that. Like, I, I don't need the church. Church drives me down. I'm just going to, just me and Jesus. You're not giving permission to do that. As a matter of fact, Paul says this, as we're reading through this, we read through verse 11 and we read about that weird family with all kinds of different people that are all trying to look like Christ. He starts verse 12 with the word therefore, and we have to say, when we see therefore, we ask, what's it therefore, right? And here's why it's there, to show us how do we live with this new family that we have found ourselves in. And he, he starts to lay out, here's the house rules. Um, you guys have family rules, house rules in your, in your family? Um, like replace the toilet paper. That's a good one. If it's not one of yours, you should make it one of yours. Like if you use the last of the toilet paper, put another roll on because you don't want to be the person that comes in and anyway, you see what I'm saying, right? Um, in our house, <laughs> it's really bad. Like you, you, they, don't, they don't put the toilet paper back on the roll. They just put it on the on the floor and just leave it there reaching for you that's not good put it back on like whatever your rules are every family has rules everybody's got rules and these are the house rules for the family of God this new lineage that we have this new family that we have here's how Paul says that we should live he says look therefore as God's chosen people holy and dearly loved part of this new lineage this new family with a new level and a new life here's what you should do clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness patience Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Man, here's the thing. Our new family, this new family that we're a part of here, like here at the gathering, here in the body of Christ, this new family, we don't look anything like each other, but we're all looking like Jesus. And it happens because we're allowed to grow. These family rules allow us to grow. And then the last thing that we're given we're raised to a new level, to a new life, to a new lineage. And then finally, verse 14, he says, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Um, any of you um, like ice cream Sunday people? You like ice cream Sundays? Like I'm a banana split. I love banana splits, right? So you get the banana, you cut it in half, you put it in the bowl, and then you got to put ice cream in there. I don't know what kind of ice cream you like. Some people like the classics, you know, uh, chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. I'm more like um, cookie dough, you know, chocolate chip, moose tracks. Oh, man, like chocolate and moose tracks is the best, right? So you put that in the bowl, and then you get out like your syrups. You got caramel, you got strawberry, you got hot chocolate. I mean, hot, hot, hot fudge sundae, you got all that stuff going on. And then you take the whipped cream, right? You got, are y'all whipped cream people? But it's not complete without the what on top? Cherry. And so here's what, here's what Paul writes. He says, look, we're raised to a new level. We're raised to a new life. We're raised to a new lineage. But you can have all of those things. But if you don't have the cherry on top, you're missing out. The cherry on top is love. He said in 1 Corinthians 13, you can have all that stuff. If you don't have love, you're just a noisy sounding, clanging gong. This is the cherry on top. Um, when Ivan, the guy I showed you his pictures, when he starts climbing roofs and he doesn't have any kind of gear, the gear that we have as Christians, as we climb to new heights, as we live in new heights, the gear we have to keep us from falling is love. This is the safety harness. This is the carabiner. This is the rope. This is what keeps us from falling is the love that we have for one another. It's not a love that we're used to. As a matter of fact, I would say that it's not a, a love that's natural. It's a supernatural love. Let me read this to you from 1 John chapter 4. Verses 7 through 21. Let's just describe the kind of love that we have. He starts off in verse 7 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. 
It doesn't come from Nicholas Sparks. Crazy, I know. It doesn't come from a movie. It doesn't come from a book that you read. Love, this kind of love that we're talking about that allows us to be a part of a lineage of people that are different than us. This love comes from God. Remember who loves, he, remember who loves, who, everyone who, has, who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us, sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And in verse 16, it says this. For we know and rely on the love that God has for us. And God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. But we love because he first loved us. This love that we've been given does not come from us. It's not something that you work up. It's not something that you give to your spouse because they were good or you had a good day. It's something that we're able to give back and forth because Jesus loved us. It's a supernatural love in us. We are raised to a new level, a new life, a new lineage, a new love. And if you're type A people, me saying all those things just raise your level of stress. Because you're like, dang, man, more stuff to work on, right? More stuff to do because here's your big idea. Raised people are changed people. It's impossible to be raised with Christ and not be changed. If we say we're raised and we're not changed, again, the world looks at us and goes, eh. But raised people that are changed, the world wants to know what we have. So I love how Paul wraps up this section in Colossians. He, he's... He's written this letter. They've read it out loud to the church. And don't you know their church is a lot, lot like our church? I mean, wearing different clothes, obviously. But inside that church, there are people who are chill. And there are people who are type A, firstborn overachievers. And they're just like, wait, say that again. I'm supposed to, new life, new lease. Right? That's how they're reacting to it. And here's how Paul wraps up this sermon to the people that he's, the letter is being read to. And I love this. He doesn't say, now go do a bunch of stuff and get it right. He just says this in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. There's something about being thankful. that just relieves that stress. And he says, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. As you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude. There it is again in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We, we started this series with four women on this platform reading eight declarations and scriptures that go with them and saying this phrase over and over again, my satisfaction is in him. My satisfaction is in him. And we want to end the series doing the same thing. I want you to listen to the words that they're saying. I want you to hear the scriptures as they read them. I want you to know that our satisfaction is in him. Paul says this 
what I just read. Let's just paraphrase it. He says to the type A overachieving firstborn Colossian believers, he says, whoa, 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 whoa. Before you do anything, let the peace of Christ rule in you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. It's all about Jesus. So let's do this. While he's working these things in you, be together, learn together, worship together, be thankful together. In other words, Paul says this, be satisfied in him with others who are being satisfied in him. My satisfaction is in you. And that is enough.